we've been talking about this morning, we've been in this time of spiritual renewal, and many of us are fasting. Hopefully everyone's praying, and uh, what a difference it's making, I know, for me and others I've talked to. That time of, of just denying yourself something and instead allowing that craving for that to drive you to pray, to drive you to seek God. And so uh, we've had the series, and one of the benefits of this time is that we get to have some guest speakers. And so today we are having Josiah Keneally share with us. Josiah, come and bring us the word today for us. Thank you, Pastor Cindy. Good morning, South Oaks Church. It's great to be here this morning. We're going to just let God burn in this place because uh, it's chilly out there, but it, the fire of God is in this place. And I came here today to tell somebody that God can do massive things through micro habits. These little things that are habits that we do have a large impact. It could be a small daily discipline and it could yield, I mean, just massive, incredible results. And we're in a series like Pastor Cindy mentioned called The Power to Change. And this series is especially for you if you're sick of being stuck. I mean, this series, this message today is right on target for you if you are ready to stop the negative and if you want God to do a new amazing thing in your life and it's going to start with something most specifically I want to talk to you this morning on holy habits can you say that with me this morning holy habits yep we're gonna open God's word to Daniel chapter 6 if you'll turn there and as you do turn to Daniel chapter 6 um, speaking of habits I'd love for you to take just a moment, 30 seconds, and I, I'm going to have you turn to your neighbor in just a second. And what I want you to do is answer these two questions. What's one bad habit you want to kick? A bad habit you want to get rid of this year. And then what's, let's, let's also pat ourselves on the back too. It's not all bad. There's got to be at least one good habit in your life that you've already got going for you. So what's one bad habit you want to kick? But what's one good habit you want to keep? You've got a minute. Ready, set, go. Turn to your neighbor. Maybe 15 more seconds. Okay, perfect. Habits, I'm going to ask a few of you if you are brave enough to share, but I'll give you the gift of going second. Can you say praise God? We've got the gift. I am an imperfect vessel up here. And all you need to do if you don't believe me is ask my wife, ask my family if there's any bad habits that they would like for me to kick. I told you I'll give, give you the gift of going second. I'll go first. I'm imperfect. It's, it's really, a, you talk about massive miracles. It's a miracle that God is willing to associate with me, to use somebody like me. One of the gifts or one of the habits that I would be, I would like to kick, it's a bad habit. It's being so dependent on this little phone. 
too much screen time, okay? I, I told you I'd give you the gift of, of going second. Is somebody willing to just share with the, with the church today, what's one bad habit, habit that you would like to kick? Go ahead. Oh, I got an amen. I got more screen time. It's a, it's a great gift going second. <laughs> Less chocolate. Less chocolate for sure. I saw that hand. Mm. Oof. Yeah. What do they call that? The the twenty inches of separation from from the head to the hand. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping she just recently had eye surgery, so I also want to kick the bad habit of screen time. It's a good one. It's a good one. And okay, give yourself some credit. What's one good habit you want to keep this year? What's one good thing you've got going that you want to keep? Worship on Sundays at South Oaks Church with this community. Amazing. Another maybe good habit you want to keep? Yes. The reading of, of scripture. Maybe one or two more. Having a good Christian foundation by reading my Bible every day and coming here to this community. Wow. Wow. I mean, we could go on, but there are habits that are bad that we want to kick. There's habits that are good that we want to keep. And before I dive into today's message, I was just thinking about the habits of God for a second. Because if you study scripture, I mean, some of the first things that pop into mind going off script of the message for a second, have you thought about the faithfulness of God, about how God of the universe, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's got a habit of being faithful, even when I'm lacking faithfulness or faith. Do you realize how God has a habit of being generous He's given it all to us. Ephesians talks about how we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And hearing, Steve, when you were talking this morning about, I, I think of your church, this community has some habits. And one of the habits I just want to affirm is this is a generous church. You all, we, the body of Christ. I think of in, in the community of Egan, this surrounding area, you think about maybe a single mom who's going through a hard time, opens the, the pantry, and it just hit me this morning, wishes she had some peanut butter. And you go, oh, man. I mean, moms, you talk about micro habits that can make a massive difference or impact. And moms have this Christ-like ability to multiply food and to take an empty pantry and whip together culinary success. And, but I, I look at, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus providing some loaves, some fishes, some goodness in this community. Man, thank you all for your generosity. Thank you all for your giving, that you have a habit of being generous. And I just had to go off script and affirm that. But hope alone isn't going to change your life. It's a great first step. Habits alone, I'll even go, uh, but we're talking about habits. Habits alone do not have the power 
to transform your life. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit's activity and opening up our calendar, our lives, our hands, our heads, our hearts to the power of God that can transform and bring lasting change in Jesus' name. I'll give you a quick example. Psychologists, I just read a book about this. Psychologists did a study. You know what they found? 20 minutes of prayer per day for eight weeks is noticeable on a brain scan. So they took a brain scan of just average Joe, no prayer, said pray 20 minutes a day to the God of heaven for eight weeks we're gonna bring you back for another brain scan. They found the entire synapses of the brain looked different. Little habits, large impact. Micro habits, we're talking about a massive impact that inviting the spirit of God into our daily activity. And so if you're taking notes, as we turn to Daniel 6, the first point this morning is that the Holy Spirit empowers us to make lasting change. It's not a message of do more or try harder or change your life yourself. This is a message, and we're going to, in just a second, open God's word to see how the Holy Spirit empowers us to make lasting change. And now, right off the bat, you might be wondering or asking, why does any of this matter at all? Because you look at the world and, and maybe just even social media ads and they're going to tell you how a diet can change your life. They're going to talk about how a new nutrition plan, exercise, and if you stick with the habit, you're going to see some results. But on a spiritual level, I love this Lisa Bevere quote. She said this and this just moved me. She goes, dieting changes the way you look but fasting changes how you see. We're talking here about spiritual renewal this morning. Jensen Franklin, on the topic of fasting, he said, when God has placed a dream in your heart that's so big that only he can make it possible, you know what you gotta do? You've gotta fast and you've gotta pray. James Clear, who wrote, I think, Amazon's number one blockbuster best-selling book. You know what he said? Atomic Habits. He said, look, we all January 1st have this new incredible idea. We're going to change the world. We're going to change a brand new life. We're going to set some goals. But he, James Clear said, you will not rise to the level of your goals. What you're actually going to do is you're going to fall to the level of your systems, your habits, and one study by Duke University found that 40% of the daily activity, people like you and I, 40% of the decisions we make are actually as a result of our habits. And I want to show you the power of one habit. That one habit we're going to see as we turn to Daniel chapter 6. Because if you want a changed life, change your habits and invite the power of God, he will empower us to make lasting change. So Daniel chapter six, I'm gonna read verses one through 10. If you'll read it this morning with me. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, 
one accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now, Daniel, out of these 120 leaders, so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king placed him to lead over the entire kingdom. It wasn't even just a nation, it was nations. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. It's like one word. They were jealous. You ever been in a workplace and you're like, how did they get to do that? No different here. We'll pick back up in verse 4. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So finally these men got together and said, we're never going to find any basis for charges against Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of God. So, verse 6, these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king, and they, they kind of gave him some lip service. They're like, may King Darius live forever. And he's like, nice to meet you too. I'll listen to whatever you've got to say. Verse 7, the royal administrators, perfects, or prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue a decree and enforce anyone who prays to any god or human being for the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, should be thrown into a lion's den. Now, king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law so Darius put the decree in writing. Signed, sealed, delivered. He put his signet ring, stamped it. Verse 10. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, you know what he did? He went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Prayed three times a day on his knees giving thanks to God, and this is where it gets really good, just as he had done before. And this morning, I want to talk about just as you've done before. Not to give up, to recognize that the God of heaven who started a good work in you is going to be faithful to completion. His word never returns void. You might not see him working in your life. I want to assure somebody that he's moving I'm not making a promise that God can't deliver on, that God can't keep. He's good for it. And the power here in the text, if you look at Daniel 6, the year's about 580 B.C., maybe 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. He burned the temple. He murdered countless, held captives. And among them, he had this strategy. I'm going to take the best of the best and indoctrinate them into the Babylonian ways. That was his strategy. He did this in multiple empires. And Daniel had no chance. But then the king has crazy dreams. Daniel goes, well, I can't interpret them, but the God of heaven can. So the king bows, he presents the offering, and he ends up 
doing evangelism on Daniel's behalf. He goes, surely your God is the one true God. So how could God do something so big through Daniel who is so small? God often does massive works through micro miracles. Going off script again, if you think of five loaves, two fishes, or some peanut butter placed, or a dollar placed in the hands of God, food bank, praying to the God of heaven and saying, man, could you multiply? Could you kind of make manna? And God's good for it. Daniel has this favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. He planned to promote Daniel. And then the key leaders, again, they're jealous. They, def they devised this plan to, to take Daniel himself out. He had no vulnerability, no weakness. And, and, and they go, look, the only way we're going to get him is if it has to do with his vertical relationship with God. That's how disciplined he is. He's got some of these habits. And people around us sometimes notice patterns or habits that we don't even notice in ourselves. That's what happened. So I want to zero in on three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed. He started a holy habit, likely as an adolescent or as a child in Jerusalem, gets brought out of his homeland. But even the, the craziest indoctrination of culture and leaders and society didn't have a chance against the holy habits of spiritual formation. And, and the second point really, I think is, is really strong. And it says to never underestimate how God can start something massive through one micro habit. All it takes is one. All it takes is one micro habit. And we're going to get really practical for a second in this message. And I'm going to pause here in just a second because I, I want you to dream big, but I want you to start small. So it's like your head can be in the clouds, but your feet are going to stay planted here on the ground. Both spiritual and practical is going to lead to the transformational. So I want you to think just for a second. I'm going to pause for about 30 seconds. You Look at your life. You can have a moment with God. What's that one holy habit that he's inviting you to step into? If you've got a page of paper or a Bible to take notes in, I want you to hear from heaven for a second. And I want you to, to just look at that one habit. Go ahead. Dear Heavenly Father, sometimes it's at the middle of a message that we pray. Sometimes it's at the end. And right now, this morning, Father God, we just pause right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the message. And we ask you to intervene in our church, in our lives, and show us, oh God, what is one habit 
that you're inviting us into through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The third point this morning is develop stick with itness. I didn't make up that word, I promise. If you've heard me preach here before at South Oaks Community Church, some of you might be suspect to think, <laughs> did he make up that word? I did not. I don't know if it is accurate as a word, but just stick with it. Ness with me. I found the book or I found this word in a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. She studied spelling bee champions, she studied army cadets, she studied Olympic athletes, and she studied common people. And what she wanted to understand, why do some people, like in essence, why is enthusiasm so common, but why is endurance so rare? That was her study. So she looked at spelling bee kids in elementary school. She looked at Navy SEAL cadets. She looked at Olympic athletes and common people. And what she found is that enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. She made a mathematical equation to say passion, when you multiply it by perseverance, that's how you define grit. I love that. I want our girls to be gritty. In God's kingdom, I want to be gritty. I want not just the passion to say, praise God. I want a perseverance that if it's a if it's a lion's den, if it's a fire, we're gonna stick with it. If it's persecution, we're gonna have perseverance. It's it's not quitting. It's not giving up. It's that Winston Churchill. No, never, 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 no, never. It's it's like we're not gonna give up, not because we're so great, but because God is so great and He's given us the Holy Spirit. There's breakthrough miracle power that's within us. And uh, I heard a stat that startled me. Dr. George Barna told me that he goes, Barna Research, he said on our podcast, he said, only 4% of Gen Z has biblical literacy or a biblical worldview. 96% of our world is lacking that furniture, that framework to understand who is God, what did he say, what does it mean? And so I just go, man, as a parent, what do we do? And I wasn't putting my head in the sand. I wasn't ready to give up. But I'm like, God, how do we pass along the faith in Jesus to the next generation? Because it starts in our own home. It starts in our own family. I was like, God, how do, we, how do we tell the next generation of your marvelous deeds? Because one generation is to tell the next of the miraculous deeds of God. And so don't know why or how, but I, I remembered as a kid, I loved Sunday school. Do you know why I love Sunday school? Two words, Laffy Taffy. Dennis and Linda Blair taught my Sunday school class in the second grade, and I learned an important lesson on that first week. If you memorize a Bible verse, you get two pieces of candy. But you know what? I still remember Acts 1-8, but you will receive the... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the earth. Week two, you know what I still remember? 
I don't remember what the, the color of Laffy Taffy was, but I remember Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just like Christ Jesus forgave you. Read about this, pretty sure it's true that when, when a rabbi in the time of like Jesus or the Old Testament, when they were teaching kids to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, they would like put a little bit of honey under their tongue. They'd give them something sweet and, and it stuck with them. Educators find this in the schools that if you take like two Tootsie Rolls right before a test, your test is, the score is a little bit higher. <laughs> but I'm just telling you what we started a few weeks ago at our house is one Bible verse a week. Aurora, Avalon, they know, be strong, be brave, God's with you. Amen? They know when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And, and this week, we're working on if God said it, he will do it. And I look at, you know what? Saw an illustration, there's like 900 marbles in a jar and each one in the jar represents a week that you have as a parent before your kid goes off to college. And Levi Lusco, he said, he goes, it's important that your kid gets into college, but it's, it's more important that they get into heaven. Yeah. And I just picture my role, our holy habit as a household right now, it's voluntary participation, but we're inviting one Bible verse a week into our house because that never returns. Boy, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the power to change. This is the power of the Holy Spirit, transformation power, and we can never underestimate what God can do through small habits. Micro habits, massive transformation. Stick with itness. So the challenge is yours, and I want you to write your goal down. I want you to write your habit down. I also want you to be brave. We tell our girls this, be strong, be brave. God's with you. You're going to tell someone on the way out the door, before you get a cup of coffee, before you do anything, I want you to tell somebody because that's called accountability. And at South Oaks, what we're going to do is we're just going to spur you on in your good deeds. Hey, how's that going? You, you said you wanted to start a habit. I'm going to encourage you on in your good works. And there's this beautiful tension because somebody might say, well, what's God's responsibility? I'm just going to sit on my couch and I'm going to wait for the Holy Spirit to intervene. <laughs> somebody else might say, I'm going to just go after it. And I'm going to grind. I'm going to hustle. I'm a self-made man. And who's, who's right? Nobody. Who's wrong? Both of them. Because the, the best way I've, I've seen this tension described is a quote from Dr. Charles Stanley. He says, obey God and leave the consequences to him. What he's saying is the obedience is up to us. It's voluntary participation in God's kingdom. Anybody got any fish or loaves? Voluntary participation. But God's looking for volunteers. 
He's looking for saints to equip. He's looking for people who don't want to just be, as Craig Rochelle says, passive consumers. He's looking for people to be active participants in the body of Christ. So we get to step in obedience. We get to take an uncomfortable step of faith. And you know what? Sometimes it's uncomfortable. I'm just telling you as someone who is uncomfortable when I'm uncomfortable. But I'm also telling you as someone that we've got to be strong. We've got to be brave. We've got to know that the king of the universe, the creator of all things, he is with us. Romans 8 says that when God is for you, who can be against you? There's no condemnation for you. There's no separation for you. God is working together all things out in accordance with his will for the good of those who are called in accordance with his will. Who loves him? Obedience is our part. The outcome is God's. But we've got to be disciplined to form holy habits. And I would not say I'm the most disciplined person on planet Earth, but I've got a little bit of resurrection power that's within me. I've got a little bit of grit. I've got a little bit of determination to stick with some things. Here's what I've noticed. When I put it on my calendar, it gets done. It's amazing. It goes from this ethereal idea, oh, breakfast with a friend would be nice, and it moves to, I'm going to text somebody this week. It moves from, I want to be in shape, to I'm going to go for a run outside, negative or positive temperatures for 15 minutes a day, and I'm going to move. It goes from, a few years ago, I wanted a, a degree. I wanted to grow. Felt like I was hitting a lid. So I gave up Monday nights for three years. And it's amazing how if you give up Monday nights for three years, what you'll learn, what God has for you. Micro habits, massive change. So it's, it's a lot like the Switchfoot song. I don't know if you've heard it, but they, they sing notes like this. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? As it relates to habits, as it relates to your world, your life, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? Set an alarm. Put it on the calendar. Because Micah says this, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. One of our young adults came to our ministry. He said this, I thought it was so profound wisdom beyond his years. He goes, you're born on earth looking like your parents. You die looking like your decisions. Habits. Micah also says, if she was preaching, you know what she'd say? You're never too young to teach. I learned things from Aurora and Avalon that I never knew before possible. They're young teachers this morning you know what? It's never too late. I think of the thief on the cross. Salvation came to his house. It's never too late to start a new habit. Never too late. It's not too late. I read a book about the guy named Tokishi Ishii. His story, this guy truly met the living God. He, he, uh, 
in Tokyo, Japan, the year was 1918. He had been sent to prison more than 20 times. His reputation, word on the street in the gangs, said this guy is meaner than a tiger. That's what it says. On one occasion, after attacking a prison official, he was gagged and bound and his body suspended in a way that his toes barely reached the ground. But he stubbornly refused to say he was sorry for what he's done. Just before being sentenced to death, Tokishi was sent a New Testament by two Christian missionaries, Miss West, Miss McDonald. They visited him in prison and he began to read the story of Jesus' trial and execution when Jesus faced a sentence of death of his own here on earth. His attention was riveted with one sentence which said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 34. That sentence transformed Tokishi's life. He stopped. He said, I was stabbed to the heart as if a five-inch nail. What did the verse reveal to me? Shall I call it the love of the heart of Christ? Shall I call it his compassion? I don't know what to call it. I only know that it was an unspeakably great heart of gratitude that I believed. Here's an example of the power of God's word to awaken well-grounded faith, even if the believer does not know how to describe what happened. For the context of Jesus' life, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do, was a true and compelling lightning bolt of divine beauty. It was enough. Faith was born. Good seed, fertile soil. His life was changed. The foundation was solid. And Tokishi Ishii was sentenced to death and accepted it as the fair, impartial judgment of God. How the next few sentences go is a word was brought to him as faith and sustained in faith. And near the end, Miss West came one last time, directed him to the words of 2 Corinthians that says, the sufferings of the righteous as sorrows yet always rejoicing. His final quote that's found here on earth says, people will say that I must have had a very sorrowful heart because I'm daily awaiting the execution of a death sentence. But that's not the case. I feel neither sorrow nor distress nor any pain because here locked up in a prison cell that's nine feet by six feet, I am infinitelier happier than I was in the days of my sinning when I did not know God, day and night, I've developed a new habit, talking with Jesus. It's never too late. It's never too late to start a new habit. Thief on the cross, Tokishi Ishii, minutes away, moments lasting here on earth. And a new habit was born. He started talking to his Savior. And along the lines of transformation and change, I just think this, that God can do massive things through micro habits. We bring our ordinary, God brings the extra to make it extraordinary. The difference between a Hall of Fame baseball player, I've loved sports my whole life, go with me on this, 
the difference between landing in the Hall of Fame, like Joe Maurer might happen for him this week, difference between a Hall of Fame hitter and getting sent down to the minor leagues, 300 batting average, three hits out of every 10 at-bats, 300. Minor leagues, two and a half hits out of every 10. 250 batting average, you're not getting a good, very good contract. 300 batting average, man, they're, they're going to write about you in the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. I was good enough for neither of those batting averages, but uh, I developed an affinity for baseball. Here's what I learned from baseball. The difference between that minor leaguer and a Hall of Famer, when you map it out, one extra base hit per week. Every seven days, one extra hit. Every seven days, one extra on base. Moves a guy from the minor leagues to the Hall of Fame, just one extra hit. So what's the area of your life that you need one extra hit? Is it one extra prayer for a grandchild? That you can pray into heaven an eternity future, a prayer that will outlast us. That's the opportunity that we have to partner with the God of heaven. Maybe it's one extra phone call. You can't save the world, but you can encourage somebody today. Maybe it's one text message. Maybe it's an extra date night. It's never too late to start a new habit. God can do Massive miracles when we bring our micro habits. Can I pray for us this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that you've placed us here on earth not just to struggle and not just to survive. You've called us to thrive into a world where the, the devil came to steal, to kill, to destroy. You've offered us a new life a life abundantly. So I pray that you would help us to thrive. I pray that the best would yet to still be to come for every person at South Oaks Church. God, that our workplaces, our apartment buildings, our neighborhoods, our communities, the food pantry, the families in Egan would look different, that eternity would be filled in heaven, that hell would be emptied and that you could invite us into a power to change, not on our own, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Josiah. Would uh, everyone stand as we close, please? Thank you. Uh, so um, just, I'd just ask you to bow your head and just be thinking about this. As Josiah said, uh, there is um, a holy habit that we need to make to make change in our life. But the only way we're going to do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you would say, I want that power from God to be able to make those changes, to be able to uh, have the perseverance I need, just if you say, I, I want that, I, I need that, just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. So let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that 
all of us said, we want that power. Pretty much all of us said, we want that power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want that power from God that he gives us to be able to do the things that he's called us to, to be able to have holy habits. There's habits and then there's holy habits. We want the holy habits. We want to be spending time with God. We want to be praying. We want to be doing the things that his word commands us to do. And so, Father, we just ask you to touch us, anoint us with your Holy Spirit this morning. Fill us to overflowing with that power from God, that power from on high, so we can be your witnesses by how we live our lives because we have the strength and the power of God to be able to follow him. Lord God, just give us what we need each day as we follow you to make some changes. Um, Lord, that, that maybe we're not spending enough time. Uh, maybe we don't read our Bible every day. Lord, help us to change that. Help us to pray 20 minutes a day like Josiah shared with us and have positive changes in our minds because of uh, the benefits of praying and spending time with you, Lord God, each day. Um, Lord, even if it's 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night, Lord, I pray that we would be able to do the thing that you're called us to. Uh, Lord God, we thank you that uh, as we follow you, you give us the things that we need. And so, Father, we pray for provision. We pray for healing. We pray for restoration in people's lives as they continue on in this time of spiritual renewal. We thank you, Lord God. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.